Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. And I have something really special for you today. It's not just an interview with one person. It's an epic collaboration with six dance specialists. We're all sharing our points of view about our dance training. You'll hear introductions in the beginning, so I won't go into huge detail now, but it is going to sound a little different because I'm not actually hosting today. I'm re-releasing an episode of my friend Jean's podcast, Fesh Fit Podcast, because we all got together to record for her show. Jean is a personal trainer for dancers who specializes in Irish dance, and she asked us to come on her show and then graciously gave me permission to release the episode here as well. So you get to hear from Jean and I, plus two other personal trainers you may know, Kendall and Katie, plus nutritionist Jenny and Nina, an athletic trainer. We talk about the best parts of our time as dancers, the biggest challenges, the life lessons we learn from dance. And for those of you who are dance educators, I think you'll really like the part where we talk about what we would have changed about our own dance education, knowing what we know now about training, nutrition, dance science, and mental health. Hearing how each of us approach this question differently was really interesting and definitely makes me rethink education in our industry right now. And even though we don't explicitly talk about it, listening back to this, I think it is really interesting how each of the six of us have created a career based in the dance industry and now have thriving businesses that allow us to use our expertise and continue to work with dancers. I think that's pretty amazing that we're all able to do that. As you'll hear, we've also become entrepreneur friends as well, because dance has a way of bringing people together and that doesn't stop when you're not performing anymore. So, okay, enough from me. I'm going to let Jean take over as your host today. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hey guys, it's Jean here and welcome to the show. I can't even tell you how excited I am for today's show because we have the most epic collaboration going on. Some of my absolute favorite dance professionals are here to talk about some of the mistakes we made growing up as dancers ourselves and what we've learned since then through our own professions and life experiences. So I'm going to have everyone do a quick introduction so everyone listening you know, knows who all is here. Uh, so Jenny, do you want to start and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Jenny. I'm a dietitian for dancers. Uh, so I was a dancer for almost 20 years. Um, and I help dancers of all ages um, from aspiring to retired, uh, really help to fuel their body for performance and build a better relationship with food. Awesome. <laughs> Let's see, Nina, you want to jump in next? Sure. I'm Dr. Nina Jaramel. I'm known as the Point Doc Online. I'm an athletic trainer and a physical therapist, and I help dancers from all over the world and all ages uh, prepare for point work. Fantastic. And then we have Katie. You want to give a quick intro? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Katie Groven. I'm a personal trainer for dancers, and I specialize in helping dancers optimize their skills using strength training. 
by breaking down their skills and addressing their imbalances that are helping that are keeping them from, you know, reaching their skill goals. Fantastic. And then we have Kendall. Hi everyone, my name is Kendall Babb. I'm also a personal trainer for dancers and I mostly help dancers prevent injury and enhance performance um, with cross training, mostly strength and flexibility training. Um, and then also providing the dance science education behind why we're doing the training and how it's actually going to help you in the long haul. Oh, and then last, but definitely not least, we have the wonderful Dr. Chelsea. <laughs> oh, that was sweet. I'm Dr. Chelsea. Um, I am a sports psychologist or mental performance coach. So I help dancers on the mental aspects, things like resilience, confidence on stage. I'm helping dancers make sure all the training that all of you help them with um, ha actually happens on stage and their brain doesn't talk them out of it. Fantastic. So yeah, we have like a little bit of everything here, which I think is so fun. Like, you know, the nutrition side with Jenny, the psychology side with Chelsea, the physical therapy side with Mina and then trainers, uh, Kendall and Katie too. So this is going to be fabulous. Um, I'd love our audience to get to know us all a little bit more. So um, I thought it'd be fun to go around and share one of your absolute favorite memories from dancing. Um, so let's see, Jenny, do you want to start? Kind of put you on the spot. Ooh, favorite memory. Oh my God, there's so many that are sifting through my head. Oh boy. I know that was like, sorry, totally just put you on the spot there. If anyone else has one right away they can think of, you can jump in. I, I can jump in. Um, like Jenny, I have so many favorite memories um, growing up. I started dancing when I was three and uh, haven't stopped since. But one of my absolute favorites was uh, playing the role of Claire in The Nutcracker. This was back in 2003. And one of the memories that actually stands out is my mom came to my school and surprised me with um, my audition card with, with the role I got. So I just remember that like clear as day like it was yesterday. Oh my gosh, that is so sweet. That's so special. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyone else? Yeah, I can go. Um, I, my favorite dancing memory came towards the very end of my dancing career, and it was um, dancing with my all-star program. And when we won the world championships in hip hop and hip hop is never a style that I really excelled in, but I was still on a team that won. And I think that was the first time in my dancing career that I felt like um, I was on a team where everyone had a chance to shine because I felt like growing up, there was always like one or two people who always got the lead parts or there were, they were always held at a higher up on a pedestal. And so this first time I felt like I really helped contribute to something. Um, and that was a really great team. And we were all like young adults in our early to late twenties. And it was just really cool to see that friendship, even if, though we had like children and careers. And it was just a really cool feeling to put in the work. We only practiced one day a week, but we still did a really great job that year. So that's my favorite memory. That sounds so fun and satisfying. That's really, really cool. It was. Something that I feel like you guys have inspired me and in, not to be a perfectionist and pick my perfect memory here. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm going to draw on, I think, my last year as a dancer. We competed in the Worlds and I was there for one of my solos. And I just remember that being kind of like 
the last like big finale with one of my favorite dances and just to kind of speak to what Katie said it was like a lovely team environment it was kind of like our last hurrah before some of us went off to university to do other things um and yeah it just made really made me realize like the community of it um and then doing something like one of my favorite dances like right near the end so that was a that was a great memory that's so fun very cool Kendall or Chelsea do you guys have favorite yeah, I can go. Um, so mine was also in my last year. Um, this is really a pivotal year for all of us. And <laughs> our last year, my last year in college, um, it was my last uh, concert performance. And I was in a piece that was kind of more like a lyrical piece from one of the faculty members. And I was doing dance science in college. So I, performing wasn't really my focus point for my college career but um i got you know really great feedback from this faculty member who just like made me feel like i was finally being seen by other faculty members in for my dancing not just for my like dance science knowledge and um like perseverance in that in that route so uh you know he said some really great things about just like my movement qualities and and why he picked me for this piece and that has like really stuck with me and actually like instilled more confidence in me like in the dancing side of things um and served as a nice little bow on top of my um college dance career that okay I do belong here I am a good dancer I even though I chose a different path like I still I'm still a dancer at, at heart. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. I love listening to these. Um, I was thinking like my favorite one actually is when I was coaching and not dancing anymore, which in a way is weird. It's like, why are none of my favorite memories when I'm the one on stage and none of them are <laughs> They're all the ones where I'm on the back. Um, but if I had one, when I'm dancing was probably the only time I've ever been in a true flow state on stage. Um, I'm just, I was not the dancer that was good at that and was always very intellectual about performing. And so I think that's why I didn't always truly love what I was doing. It was like, get on stage, do my job and be done. Um, and why I liked coaching better. So my favorite dance memory is my first championship as a coach. Cause it was more, we didn't expect it. And like that first time when it like everything just comes together, the team kind of like Katie was talking about of like the dancers were all in it. Everybody cared about each other. They worked so hard um, and seeing them reach their dreams. So that was my favorite. That's amazing. Yeah. That sounds so like satisfying. I love yeah. that. Um, I would say mine was whenever like so real is like the fast Irish dance. Um, whenever like I was at a competition, I'd prepared well and like I would get into that flow state on stage and it just felt like you know, I was flying around stage. I just felt so good. Like the ultimate high. Um, yeah. I just like loved that, like how you'd get with like music and like, it just felt so good. Um, so yeah, that was mine. Um, okay. So let's get into, uh, the nitty gritty of things and start talking about some of the challenges we face as dancers. Um, so I'm going to, for this one, I just kind of want to open the floor. And if someone wants to jump in and has one, they want to share, um, you know, jump right in. So the first question I have is, um, what was the biggest challenge you had as a dancer, either physically or mentally? My entire dancing career was a challenge. This is Katie speaking, by the way. I remember my whole life saying, why was I given this like love for something that I'm not even that good at? I remember thinking that my whole life, like 
I love this, but I'm not that good at it. I was never great at it. And it felt like a challenge. I feel like now that's helped me in my career though, because nothing came easily to me. So my gift now as an educator is breaking things down and reteaching them because I had to piece everything together. Nothing came easily. And I just wanted something I just wanted to be really great at something and dance wasn't it, but I did it my entire life. And so it felt like the entire career in dancing was a challenge, but I'm glad because now I can teach better than maybe someone where they, everything came really easily to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you think of like any specific skill that you really struggled with that you have been able to help dancers a lot with? Anytime your leg has to come above 90 degrees, I couldn't do it. I, it hurt. I was gripping in the quad. My hips were lifting. I just, the ex- extensions, just, I couldn't do any of it. I could turn, I could jump. I, I could, like, I was powerful. I was a really powerful dancer, but I didn't have the flexibility or the extension. And I didn't know that there were certain muscles required to lift the leg. I just saw other people lifting their leg and I just gripped in my quad and tried to hoist it up that way. Um, and so that's been really satisfying to see dancers improve their extension and improve their mobility and be able to get their leg above 90 with ease. Cause I, I could never do it and never came easily to me and still like even flexibility, you know, that still was really challenging. I never was that dancer who did the, the scorpion, like a straight leg scorpion or like anything like that. I didn't have the back mobility or so that specifically the pretty Yeah, I can totally relate where I feel like sometimes our biggest challenges are actually like the things that can help us the most uh, in the long run. Because like for me, one of the things I was I've I've always been absolutely terrible, like to this day at learning new choreography. Um, I don't know my brain just like I I don't know what it is, but it just I cannot pick up choreography easily. And it takes me like I have to be alone in a room and do it over and over and over again for hours until I get it in my head. And then I'll remember it forever, which takes a long time. But because of that, it's like when dancers struggle to learn choreography, I can usually help teach it really well because I'm like, okay, I totally get it because I've been there and like, you know, really struggled with that thing and found ways that like to break it down and learn it more effectively. So, yeah, I totally I think that's a great, great point. It makes you a great teacher when you have to teach yourself. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. For me, it's exactly along the same line. So the biggest struggle when you first said that, Jean, I thought of immediately was point work, which is funny because now that's all I do is I help dancers prepare for point. Um, and for me, it was my feet. My feet are still like super stiff. I don't have a ton of mobility and flexibility. And so I really, really struggled with that for many years, even though I loved ballet. It was my favorite out of all the different styles of dance. I always wanted to do point. Um, And so with that, you know, I know so much more today than I knew back then. And I see dancers with the same struggles. So it is rewarding to be able to now help dancers with that. But yeah, it is so funny. Like those things that were struggles are now like where a lot of us, I, I see focus um, in our careers later on. Totally. Yeah. Mine is the same on the mindset side of like, that's why I do all the mental work because that was my challenge. Um, that in like the two main ways I think about the challenge for me mentally was around the physicality of it. I was studio dancer and ended up in a professional ballet company, but I'm not built like a ballet dancer. I'm tall and curvy. And that was always a challenge of like, I don't fit into this. I can't wear that tutu, like that stuff around 
um, how to not look like the part, but still feel like I belong, which led to the mindset issue. That was my biggest challenge as a dancer. That is something I, as you guys are saying now help with the most is that sense of comparison of helping dancers figure out how to define success for themselves and not compare. Cause I spent most of my dance career worrying about what other people thought, worrying about where I didn't match up to other people rather than recognizing my own strengths. So focusing that comparison part was my biggest challenge to get out of that and just enjoy it. Totally. Do you find that like, were you drawn to psychology because of your dance like background and having mm-hmm. those issues or was it just like happenstance you got in there and then. Yeah, it, it, it happened late. So I no, it wasn't really that way. They were parallel lives and I didn't mm-hmm. realize sports psychology was a thing until a lot later. And then mm-hmm. I was like, professional life was over. I was coaching for a long time. Um, I was in grad school for something else and it kind of came together and had this major epiphany in my mm-hmm. mid-20s of like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then totally. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. Well, Kendall, do you have what was your biggest challenge? Yeah, I think for me, I always felt like there was something missing in my technique. I mean, I or not not in my technique, in I mean, just my like artistry, I would say. I always struggled a lot with um like adding my own artistry and like performance quality to my dancing because I was very good at technique and it all made sense to me. And I I feel like I could analyze movement um pretty well, like in, especially in high school and colleges from what I, from what I remember, um, I always loved like being in class more than I loved being in rehearsal or even on stage, which is, um, not what a lot of dancers say. (laughs) Most dancers love state, love the stage. And, um, but there was always something that I struggled with was like, just adding that extra element of like, what makes me different. And then that really stuck in my head for a long time and influenced how I auditioned for, shows in college or audition for other professional jobs. And, um, you know, it's something I still struggle with, to be honest, but so I wouldn't even say that's something I really help my dancers with. Now I help them with the technical skills because, um, that's what I know best and I can analyze the movement well, but that artistry was another layer of, of, um, just dancing in general that I, still kind of feel like I haven't quite figured out, but learn more in college than I did, you know, growing up in competition studios or anything. So, um, you know, because, because I don't dance as much now as I used to, I do feel like when I'm back in the studio taking class, I, it's, it comes a little bit easier. Like I don't have to think about it as much. Um, and you know, there comes a point where it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to do it like the teacher. You can do whatever you want, <laughs> and that, but you don't really reach that level when you're in um, competition studio dance under the age of 18. So, you know, that, that c- comes a little bit later. So I think that's, that would probably be the biggest challenge for me. Totally. I feel like that's such a nice feeling after you like are done with co- like competition, having an audition for schools or whatever, then you can really just enjoy dance for dance and realize like you can make it your own. You can, you know, get what you want from it. It doesn't have to be like you're living up to this perfect standard in your head of, you know, trying to fix everything. So yeah, yeah I feel like that. you can call it an artistic choice and mm-hmm. that'll, and that's it. <laughs> totally. Irish dance. If you want to practice using your arms, you can use your arms. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, Jenny, did you go yet? I haven't. I actually, um, I love how we're kind of all in the same wavelength here. But what I was thinking of was kind of like, I was terrified of improv when I was younger. So I would get very into, I think a couple of you guys said this, like 
uh, perfecting my placement and technique. I love ballet, love point work. Um, I would want to do it all the time. And then when I came to a class to do like improv, I would get so nervous and freeze. Um, and which is so funny because when I work with some of the dancers here in BC, I see them do improv and I'm just so impressed and think, oh, I wish I would have just like let go a little bit and try like to because that was a super like uncomfortable zone for me uh, to like push myself into that a little bit more. I think I was like very attracted to getting the technique right. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like letting myself go and get into that and get into like, you know, being okay with the uncomfortable. I don't think I was okay with that when I was younger. Um, so I think the perfectionism piece kind of came into that like I really couldn't let go and be okay with not really knowing what I was doing mm -hmm. um and I think that like you that kind of stays with you after dance too right and I help people with that now a little bit like when it comes to like other things in life and perfectionism and food relates to that your body um I think it like not just the movement but like seeing your body in the mirror all the time and like when you don't dance as much and your body changes and not looking for perfection there. So like it kind of bleeds into all the different areas, but like for sure the, I'm kind of going off a little bit, but the improv piece was a big challenge in kind of dealing with that perfectionism in like showing up kind of everywhere after. Totally. Did out of curiosity, did you like, have you improv danced like since you've been in the studio? Oh my God, no. Did you no. or anything? Like, she's like, yeah. My friends here asked me to go to a class with them and I'm, like terrified still so like I really need to challenge this this is like my reminder after this podcast to do it it's still like I'm getting so nervous right now my palms are sweating thinking about like I don't know why it just gets me yeah, I don't blame you so I feel like like weddings are like you know that's like adult improv dancing there <laughs> the funniest thing is people when they hear your dancer they're like oh you must be really good at like just dancing freely and um, yeah. I can't wait to see and I'm like oh my god don't <laughs> Totally. I feel you 100%. It's like, it doesn't like always trans, just like different like dance types, like don't like translate over. Like I remember in high school, one of my best friends was always, uh, she was a really good hip hop dancer and like hip hop and Irish are literally opposite sides of the spectrum. And she was like, Jean, you'll pick it up. It'll be fun. Just come, just come. I'm like, okay, whatever, but this isn't going to go well. And we go and it was like, terrible like I could not do anything and I couldn't figure out how to use my arms so footwork I had down but then they'd be like and here's the arm parts and it was like not happening and afterwards she's like oh you know yeah maybe you like shouldn't do this class <laughs> like okay <laughs> um all right so moving right along um let's talk more about dance class specifically um, looking back, what specific adjustments do you think could have been made in your dance class? So either or in your home practice, like what you did on your own um, to help you improve more? Like what would you have changed in your dance class or in your home practice? Would this be like what we ourselves could change or what we wish, you know, like or other external factors to like teachers or studios or like things like that or or everything? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. So external factors okay. like teachers, studio, like whatever, just any changes you'd want to see in that class structure. Okay. I have one like right off the bat. So I, I can go first, but um, I would say more anatomy knowledge in dance classes. Um, that's something that I didn't get until college when I took an anatomy for dancers class, uh, like a semester long class. And I, the only reason why I had to take that was because I was doing a dance science degree. So I feel like, you know, this 
not everyone has access to this type of education in general. So I'm very blessed to be able to do that. And that's part of the reason why I do what I do now in providing that anatomical knowledge, even if it's just little tidbits of information on social media or in my programs or educating my one-on-one dancers. But I feel like if my teachers had had a little bit more knowledge, even just about names of the muscles or the bones or um, like knowing where your rotators are for turnout, things like that, um, would have made those connections a lot easier for me growing up rather than just trying to force a position or to copy a position that I see my teacher doing or someone else doing in class. So um, that would be a huge one for me. I have others, but I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. Like I, I remember like growing up and like my teachers would be like, keep your body still, body still, body still. But like, I didn't understand what I was supposed to be engaging or like what that really meant. So it was more just like a guessing game um, or like higher kicks. It'd be like, just throw it up there versus being like, here's where that's coming from. Here's what right. you want to think about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That. yeah. I'll piggyback right off of what Kendall said too, like the strength training and the understanding of how a body functions which muscles are responsible for it lifting the leg, which muscles are responsible for our arms. I mean, just having teachers understand that. So they're not giving these cues to dancers, get low in your plie, stop hopping, stop traveling. What does that even mean? What, when you hear stop traveling, dancers are like, okay, I'm going to hold my breath and, and hope I don't move an inch. But if we could incorporate conditioning and strength training specific to dancers, we cut out all of the, the white noise and we can get to our results a lot faster. And that would have been helpful too. When, if, if teachers could acknowledge I'm noticing you're utilizing these muscles. Let's bring the awareness to this muscle. And then you don't feel like a complete failure your entire life because your leg doesn't go the same way as somebody else's. I just need them to be able to see dancers as individuals instead of what I experienced were dancers who, or coaches and teachers who found the star student focused all their attention on that person and left the back of a, the rest of us in the back flailing around trying to figure out what to do. So the conditioning and then being able to see dancers each as individuals and help them. And I know that it's, we're short on time and there's not always um, the resources for that, but I, if I could wave a magic wand, it would be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Can I just piggyback one thing off of that? Cause um, the treating dancers as individuals, I think it's also important to um, incorporate more individual cueing because like a cue is only as good as it is that the dancer can understand it. So like what, what, what cue that might work for one dancer, like may not work for another dancer. And rather than just yelling it louder or saying it over and over and over again, um, it's like changing the way that like the dancer understands, you know, make sure they have a cue that they can understand and use in their dancing. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And dancers not being afraid to ask what is like, what do you mean by that cue? Or can you tell me a different way? Instead, they just like absorb it and then they just never make sense to them. Or I've even, they've even asked me in uh, like, when I do talk to dancers, they say, oh yeah, my, my teacher says this, but I don't know what to do. Or I don't know how, like, I don't know what that means. So Mm -hmm. yeah, being afraid, like not being afraid to have that conversation. Probably. Actually, Kendall, I loved your series on Instagram. So Kendall did the series on Instagram that was like, what your dance teachers actually mean when they say this. I was going like, that is genius. That- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It got good. It got good feedback from a lot of teachers and students, teachers being like, yes, this is, this is it. And like sending it to their students. So that's good. I mean, that's what we, that's what we want. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. About Nina, you, um, can you think of anything from like, what you saw, what you seen like a physical therapist? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's many, many things. And I think you guys touched on a lot of important points already, especially regarding anatomy and finding those muscles. Another big one that I really think about is how we approach mobility and flexibility. Um, and I think it's starting to come out more and more people are aware that the static holds of stretching, especially before dance class, is really not the best approach to get that flexibility. You know, we don't want to be stretching what we call those cold muscles. We want to do it after class. But then also I see lots of other different communities and sports approaching mobility way different than dancers that I think we can take some things from them. One community I think about is like the CrossFit community. They do so much mobility work, especially when it comes to uh, mobilizing joints, mobilizing uh, range of motion. So not just the flexibility of the muscles, but our joints as well, which can help with, you know, point work and dancing and extensions and all of those things. And we really don't do a whole lot of mobility drills at all, you know, in dance classes, even in cross training classes either. You know, we have yoga and Pilates, but even those really don't necessarily address um, what I'm talking about. So I think that's a really big opportunity is, is to learn about that, lean into that a little bit. Of course, there are, you know, limitations, like we mentioned, time and, and all of those sorts of things. But I think that's a something that we can look at as we move forward and, and how we can approach some of these mobility and flexibility issues that dancers have. I love that. That's awesome. Something that also came to mind to me when you guys were chatting about kind of like referring to anatomy and explaining kind of like the why behind certain direction was, I think commonly, and I feel like I've heard a lot of this from other dancers around like referring to the body in certain ways, like that we're just kind of used to hearing like suck in your lunch or I can see your belly and that kind of thing. Like those kind of terms are thrown up so much and are normalized when I've heard dancers bring this up in like discussion in a group that that can negatively impact them in their days so like making more of that connection to the why with anatomy or um, connection to their body and flow like using different words like that um that's kind of something that inspired me from what you guys were talking about and then what I was thinking too um I think also like we have this perception in dance that we need to just keep pushing 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 and then I remember through like four to five hour long classes it would just keep going and going and going and I think like allowing that time for rest and I'm going to be biased here because I do this now, but allowing time to fuel so that you know, dancers can actually have that opportunity to have more energy to actually implement those kind of strategies. Um, Cause yeah, I think there's that, that common conception that we just need to push, push, push. And we don't have time for breaks. We don't have time for this, but a lot of other like sports, like professions do that. Right. And they allow for that time to, to like rest and refuel. So I think dancers can too. Totally. Yeah. I see that even like in the workout side too. Like if I do uh, workshops for like schools, like the teachers there sometimes like for strength training specifically, it's like you work and then you take a rest and then you do like, you know, another set and then you like rest, but you need that rest period time in order to like, you know, your muscles to be able to like get stronger in each workout. Um, but sometimes if there's like a dance teacher in there and they, you know, I haven't educated them yet properly, they'll just keep saying like, you know, keep going, no breaks, no breaks. And it's like, well, no, that's like scientifically like that doesn't work. So then it's like, you know, taking a step back. But I think overall it is a, yeah, like a culture of like push, 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 push versus 
you know, working smarter and learning to listen to your body and, um, yeah, it's become like, you know, a holistically more healthy dancer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah rest that- is one of the two that I was going to say for sure mm-hmm. that like, yeah just our whole cultural around like how competitions work and that, you know, awards are ending close to midnight, but you're back in the convention room, like first Mm -hmm. thing in the morning. And it's like, that is not helping. And then you don't have time to fuel. As you were saying, you don't have time to recover your muscles. Um, and like how many days a week and how many hours. And when I, when you were asking originally, like, what, what would you change? I was like the amount of hours that I spent there in the studio, like didn't translate to anything better. Like I could have cut Mm -hmm. back and been a healthier dancer physically and mentally rather than the insane hours that are not helpful. Um, which kind of leads to the big, of course, I take this to a mindset place that like the big change I would have made in my training is the definition of success that I think everybody's success in dance world tends to be external and out of your control, your placement at competition. Did you get the job? Did you make that college team? You know, what role did you get in the ballet? Like it's always that external success and being able to reframe it to internal success and like your own definitions would change how we approach everything. Mm -hmm. I love that. Do you have, um, any examples of like internal successes that you've seen that either you've found um, very helpful or you've worked with dancers who have found very helpful for them? Yeah. I, when I say internal success, I just mean anything in your control Mm -hmm. that you have decided you is your value. So uh, it's usually just growth in some way, like just whether it's gaining new skills, gaining a new sense of confidence on stage, um, improving your like performance quality, anything that's in your control as a dancer that you're deciding is like, this is what I want to be, um, what I want to work on. And so like when I talk to dancers who are super nervous at competition or like they, they crumble, right. And they uh, get all panicked backstage before they go on having that sense of like, they're usually panicking because they're worried about their final score or if I'm going to beat this other soloist or, you know, what that, am I going to ruin it for my team? Like those thoughts. But if your sense of success is fully and like, I am just going to go give my absolute best on the stage and be proud of what I've done and like trusting your training and all that. So it's that internal by internal. I just mean it's in your control. And so anything with that, and that's usually something like growth or, um, you know, having fun on stage, like enjoying it again, um, that, that kind of success. And then usually when you do that, the external success is more likely. Like if you Mm -hmm. are able to let go of the negative mindset stuff and just enjoy yourself on stage, you usually score better. But if you're focused Mm -hmm. on scoring better, you won't. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I think it's always so fun to watch dancers make that mental shift because like mm-hmm. all like um in my like one of my program, we they have to set like improvement goals where it's like, you know, stuff to learn how to shift their focus to like their own personal improvement versus like just a placement they can't control. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to watch like when dancers make that shift of like going to competitions and being like, oh, what if I don't place blah, 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 blah. I'm freaking out to being like, you know, I put in the work, I made these improvements. I'm just going to go there, learn what I can, and then like get back to work. And it's yeah. like, it's such a healthier, you know, place to be than to be relying on three judges to tell you whether or not, you yeah. know, you're going to have a great day or not. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's so hard. Like all of us as adults, we, st- we could, I think, I don't want to speak for all of you, but like, we can look back and see that difference of mm-hmm. like, I was so worried about what my teacher thought. I was so worried about what the ballet director thought if they were going to let me do this position and what the judges think. And then now I'm like, yeah, none of that matters. 
Like that's right, not right. like what you think is not who I am. And, but it's really hard to convince a 14 year old that that's true. Totally. Yeah. And actually that kind of segues into our last question here. So thank you, Chelsea. That was like, uh, cause our next question is what is the greatest skill or lesson you learned from dancing um, that has helped you in your everyday life? So like greatest life lesson, I mean, or if, you know, whatever your leaps <laughs> helped you the most in everyday life. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's the greatest lesson you learned, life lesson you learned from dance that helps you today. Um, this is kind of a roundabout way of uh, how it helps me today, but um, I struggled a lot with um, like just disordered eating patterns in growing up and a lot of like negative body image. And, um, you know, that's something I struggled with, but didn't really, didn't really realize that it was, uh, I didn't have to struggle with that and didn't have to be having those thoughts all the time. And I didn't start working on it until I was think 21. And, um, you know, after all of that work with, I worked with a nutritionist and with a therapist and realized like, oh, most of that comes from dance. And just even, even though I, you know, just indirectly from a lot of different areas of dance and, you know, it's taken a long time to work on it. And I would say sometimes some days I still struggle with it or, you know, feel like an intrusive thought come in. But, um, for the most part, if I was like a level, say I was a level eight back then, now I'm like a level one. And that's been a huge shift for me that has allowed me to just kind of enjoy my life more honestly and let go of um, those unrealistic standards that I, I set for myself. No one else really set it for me, but um, I was influenced by a lot of people in the dance world and, you know, among other things like just media and, you know, all, all of those things too, but um, that are just out in the world. But I think that I had to go through that experience to make it to where I am now with that side of things. So um, yeah, not, not really <laughs> kind of a roundabout, what more of a negative experience has turned into a positive, but still has influenced my life tremendously. And um, it also influences the way I speak about myself and others and how I, um, how I teach dancers as an, just as an educator and like the paying attention to the verbiage that I use has really influenced that. And I feel like that's a small change that I can make to try to, um, maybe reverse those effects for future generations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great life skill. Cause I'm from that, especially like working in your profession, like that's very, very common that, you know, there's disordered eating habits. Like I know I went through that for several, several, like a lot of years. Um, and it's very helpful when they're like educators who understand that. So they can speak from a place that's, you know, healthy and, um, not from like, not giving disorder words that could be in so, like in a disordered eating pattern brain, like could be misconstrued. So like, yeah. there's even just some things, like, even if you go to like a normal group fitness class, there are things that are said, um, like whether it be like, you know, like burn those calories or whatever it is, right, right. That, um, that if you haven't had that experience, you don't really understand like how that can feel to someone who's in those shoes. So I think that's like fantastic that, you know, it's a negative thing that turned into a gift for you to help other people. And I think that's like fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, Kendall, I'm going to piggyback on you again. Sorry. If it's <laughs> That's okay. There's a lot of crossover. <laughs> Mine's the same because it started negative, but then it moved into positive. So I spent my entire dancing career looking at other people saying, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I would be, I would feel so successful if I could do what that person's doing. If I had only leaned into what I could already do really well, my whole mindset would have shifted. I would have had a much more positive dancing experience. And now as an adult, and when I'm working with dancers, they're so focused on what everyone else is doing. And I'm trying to remind them and remind myself to stay in their own lane and lean into what they can already do that makes them special, that makes them feel confident, and then build from there. Because when you already have that solid foundation, you're going to build way faster than, than clumsily trying to stumble through looking like somebody else. And so in my own life, and even like building business, right, you see people on social media who do the same thing, like, like what you're doing, Kendall. And you, and you're like, Oh, I wish, Oh, I should have done something like, Oh, she said that so well, I should have done that way. And it's like, no, this is the way I explain things. This is what, this is how I do it. And just lean into that. And I also think becoming a mom helped with that too, for anyone else with children, like you just sort of stop caring what people think after you've made humans, um, because you are their own personal, like superhero. So being able to feel really confident and just like, this is the way I do it and leaning into that and then helping dancers as they get stronger. And they're like, well, I really want to do this and this. Well, why do you want to do that skill? Oh, because so-and-so can do it. Okay. But do you really want to do that skill? Do you really? No, not really. I actually just want to do this. Okay, great. Well then let's work out and let's, let's focus on this area. And they just feel so much more empowered to go. I already had a little piece of this and then you just let it sort of explode. So same thing. I I've just learned to just stay in my own lane and build on what I can already do instead of trying to create from someone else. I love that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. For me, what I think about is uh, self-confidence as a child, I was super quiet. Um, I would even like get embarrassed when people would sing happy birthday to me and things like that. And uh, never liked being the center of attention. Um, and still don't to this day, I'm just not that kind of person. But dance really showed me that, um, you know, you can still have what I call more like that quiet confidence. There was opportunities to be thrown into the spotlight, uh, literally and figuratively on stage. And, you know, all eyes are on you and, and you have to perform. And so those challenges really pushed me as a person, especially, you know, those formative years as you're going through adolescent phases and things like that. And I think you know, now I, I carry that with me that I don't have to be this loud extroverted person, but I've shown and proven to myself that I can have that quiet confidence. And um, when I need to perform or when, when eyes are on me, whether I'm speaking or doing something, that I have this proven record behind me that I've done it before. I've done it well. And uh, dance has really allowed me and pushed me into those opportunities that I probably really wouldn't have been when I've done otherwise, if I, if I didn't have the dance world. Um, so today I really, I really think that, you know, a lot of my self-confidence comes from all of those different, six, different experiences adding up over time through dance. Did you feel like you were like a different person when you were on stage? Kind of. Yeah. Now that you mention it, um, it was just by way of, you know, expressing yourself. And I think all dancers can relate to that that the movement and, and your body, like some people do it with words, some people do it with, uh, you know, written words or whatnot. 
Um, but you know, for us, it's, it's with our body. So I, I did feel like I could open up and, um, show myself a little bit more, um, and, you know, just kind of allow that release of expression through me through dance for sure. That's awesome. Well, Jenny or Chelsea, here's how yeah. um, I was going to say, I think like when you're kind of speaking to what Chelsea was saying earlier on, like when you're so close to you're in dance so closely and like looking at like, okay, what's your score for competition or how did you perform? Um, did you nail the audition? Like all of those things. Um, there's so many skills that you don't realize that um, help you like later on in your career, even if you don't go into dancing professionally. Um, there's so many things that you can use like as an adult later on in life. Like I think the ability to deal with like challenges and have discipline and focus, like those kind of superpowers I'll say as a dancer like aren't just relevant to the dance world but they're relevant like throughout your career whatever you choose and I think it's important to note that I think I, I felt sad when I wasn't going on professionally into it and I was kind of feeling like I was leaving it behind like a part of my identity when I was stopping that like you can contribute to the dance world in other ways like just like how we all are in a way right um and I think that's important to note, like that those skills can be transferable, um, even if you don't dance professionally for, yeah, when at a certain point or whenever, it, you can always use, utilize them in other ways and contribute to the profession um, to make it better in other ways as well. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, so true. That's kind of what I was thinking of when I think what I learned the most that has made the biggest difference is the growth mindset aspect of. I know if I want something that I have to work for it, but if I work for it, I'm going to get it. And, mm-hmm. um, that translates to like long-term goals. Like I think I learned in dance that there's goals that might take years, but it's worth doing. And so like I was in school for a really long time, but I never doubted that I would get there or never, you know, now, even as an adult, I can set goals. I'm like, this is probably a 10 year goal. That's okay. I got this. Like, I know if I work for it, I know, uh, I like believe in my own ability to grow and get there. And I think that really came from dance. And cause I was similar to Katie where like, I wasn't the best in the room all the time. And I just really struggled with a lot of it. And I had to learn to um, be okay with not being the best and know that it was going to take me more effort than the girl next to me to be able to do the same thing. Uh, and I think that's translated to a growth mindset now that has served me in every aspect of mm-hmm. my life in dance and beyond. Totally. Yeah. I agree a lot with that. I would say mine kind of piggybacks off of that where I feel like, um, there's so many times in dance, like competitive dance, where if I didn't reach a goal right away, um, especially when I was younger, I'd be like, Oh, like, man, I failed. And it's like, that was failed period. Um, and then over the years, you know, you learn that yes, you may not get what you want right away, but you can get back to work and learn from it and then just keep going. And it's an endless spectrum of improvement. Um, And I think having that feelings, having those like disappointing feelings, knowing those can't actually hurt you. um, And then like knowing you can get back up and keep getting better is something you can use, you know, in literally any aspect of life. So um, yeah, I feel like that's what's been most helpful. Um, Okay, well, uh, thanks so much for joining everyone. That's all the questions I have today. Um, so everyone listening right now, I'm going to go ahead and put everybody here. Um, they're put their Instagram handle in the bio, oh, in the show notes. Um, so if you are not following everyone here yet, make sure you go do that right now. Um, because every single person sitting here posts really great content, um, that you can learn from. 
And you can also learn how to work with them if you like. Um, well, that's all I have. Uh, so I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>